Hi, and welcome to the Good Fundraising Podcast, where we bring together nonprofit thought leaders and change makers to talk about what's good in the world of fundraising and what could be better. I'm your host, Alicia Mullenstein. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Adrian Weitzlagel, who's going to help us demystify DRTV. Adrian has extensive experience in the nonprofit sector, and she is the 2019 ANA Nonprofit Federation Rising Leader. She worked for 11 years at Operation Smile leading teams, and then as a senior strategist at Omnicom's premier nonprofit agency, One and All. Adrienne is now working with Full Hearts, where she's bringing her expertise and imagination to her clients. We have a lot to cover in this conversation. We're going to talk about the conversations you need to have with your organization before you get started, what's changed in TV, media, and creative, and what hasn't. And if it can work for you, even if you don't have puppies and kittens, a little bit of a spoiler alert, you can still do it even if you don't have them. So Adrian, thank you again for agreeing to be guest number two on the Good Fundraising Podcast. I am so excited to have you here and to be talking about DRTV and demystifying DRTV for some of our audience. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you, my friend, for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here. Just you know, having a friendly conversation about TV as we do. Yeah, of course. These are the things that we would talk about if we were actually able to meet in in the real world and get coffee and the, One in day, the era I when hope. we could go to conferences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was really excited to talk about TV because I feel like despite having had people come up to me and ask questions about it for years before, the volume of questions that I feel like I've been fielding about TV now that we've all been housebound and glued to all of our many screens has gone up significantly. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's also a piece in the Times the other day saying that viewership is way up because everyone is housebound, but at the same time, the for-profit TV ad budgets are down something like 40%. It means there's really good rates, and I think some groups who've been perhaps reluctant to go into this channel before are looking at it with a fresh lens. Uh, So it seemed like a good time for us to have this conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, for me as well, a lot of folks have been asking about TV. Um, It's definitely top of mind. So many things aren't a possibility right now. And so that need to pivot and shift is really important in order for, you know, organizations to continue fundraising. And so people are looking at things they may have not considered otherwise and agreed TV is a huge one. In terms of what I think they think it means, you know, I'm putting my client hat on and, you know, living in that space for so many years, thinking about getting a program like this started. I think most people think it's a big investment. I think they're, you know, prepared for big gains in brand awareness when they go on television, Um, but they hope that they'll have large donations as a result. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with that. Um, I think a lot of times they think brain awareness is a given, but will this convert? I think they also think about, is this going to require a big film shoot? Um, Do I need a celebrity? Like all those things that, you know, you go down checking the list. I think ultimately if things are done well, what it means to them is revenue diversification, which is so important right now. Um, Always important, but really important right now when many things aren't options. Um, And not just a boost in fundraising and converting those donations, um, monthly giving in particular is what most people are and should be looking for, uh, but all forms of fundraising programs. Um, So your major gifts, your plan giving, it's that halo effect that a lot of us 
talk about sometimes with TV. Yep, it, it's a huge halo effect. And I think you're right that first and foremost, when people think about TV, they're thinking about creative. That's mm-hmm. the part that as a consumer you see. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of parts of TV that are really hidden. And I think underestimated and or not planned for properly when people are considering what it would really take to launch a successful DRTV program. And you've got a ton of experience in this area. So maybe you can touch on what you think some of those are. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right about that. People always focus on creative first and foremost. Um, And it makes sense why, because it's so visible, um, because that's the thing that requires a lot of discussion internally. But setting up things properly from a conversion standpoint can make or break a program. I mean, you need call centers, you need website optimization, you need to make sure your search program is locked in. And there's other elements of your digital advertising that are supporting this initiative. There's, There's just so many things to think about. You need to hone in on your offer, your brand messaging. Um, I think there's many times a severe underestimation of the clarity required around goals um, in order to understand, is this working? And also um, an underestimation of the amount of work you're going to need to do to have real clarity about your brand. It means a lot of time spent working internally across teams to build consensus. And the reason for that really, I think, is because TV is so visible that all of a sudden everyone has an opinion. And so you kind of have to evolve into this campaigner of sorts and be really comfortable as the champion of a project that you're going to have to be a good good negotiator for? That, that part is huge because if you thought that you had program people chasing you down for content on the website or in your e-newsletter, wait until they think there's a chance to get their program on TV. <laughs> yeah. and, and the reach is really such a big benefit of television in the first place. Um, and so I think you would be surprised how many organizations don't have a good handle on this coming into it. Like they really don't have that crystal clear um, script, I guess you would call it, or, you know, say 30 second elevator pitch about being able to clearly state what your organization does. Well, when you're talking about getting an ad format down into, you know, two minutes or five minutes at the most, you're right. You have to be really, really kind of brutal with managing the story that you're going to tell. But I think you're going to have to do some education for your own internal audiences, that TV is not the end of the conversation. This is the beginning of the conversation mm-hmm. with the group of donors and prospective donors. You don't have to try to tell your whole organizational history in these next you know, two minutes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's a, it's a great instigator um, as a result. I think some of these conversations for a long time at organizations need to be had and people just don't address it. I mean, there have been so many conversations I've had with with peers in the industry that are like, uh, you know, you're dodging your programs, folks, because you don't want to have that crucial conversation, right? But but they need it just as much as you do to be able to come to the table and say, like, what are we trying to do here? Like, what what is the ultimate goal? We're both working toward the same thing, right? Like, I'm here for the same reasons that you are, because I care about this organization and I want to solve And you're right. I mean, the launch of any new visible channel is going to be an incubator for these kind of conversations if you haven't had them already. So being mentally prepared for those conversations and to be an advocate and to make sure that you are you know, helping steer those conversations are all things to consider before that door even gets wide open to other people 
within the organization. And this, I think, actually leads us into an interesting follow-up question on this. Who shouldn't pursue a DRTV program? Which organizations or cultures or programs would not benefit from opening this type of channel, which could be a Pandora's box more than a benefit. Yes, it certainly can. So as we talked about, if you cannot explain it simply, it's not for you because of all the work that you have to do for purposes of internal collaboration and buy-in. I have seen television be extremely transformative for some brands and their fundraising programs, um, but you've got to get your house in order first or use this a catalyst to do so. Okay, so we have to make sure we have our house in order, we're ready to have some hard conversations. But how do you know if your cause is going to resonate in this channel? So it used to be that in order to be successful with TV, your brand had to be very clearly one that appeals to the masses, to the general public, to everyone. And that's because I think TV as we know it, in its most traditional sense, is a very broad reach channel. So you wouldn't want to waste your your hard-earned fundraising dollars if you couldn't make it appealing to everyone. Um, And that's true even with the invention of cable that was specifically created for more niche audiences. You know, when you think about who wants to save animals from cruelty and suffering, who wants to find a cure and save children from cancer, unless you're a sociopath, the answer to that is pretty much everyone. Um, So for those of organizations that have been in the TV game and been successful for a very long time, it makes sense. Why? But for everyone else in today's environment, that actually doesn't have to be the case. We live in, you know, times of a long tail economy. The way that media is delivered now in a variety of ways um, and the types of audiences that can be found, you don't have to be mainstream in order to be successful anymore. I believe there's an audience for everyone. And due to the broad spectrum of video performance marketing options, and by the way, you'll hear me use that a lot, uh, video performance marketing rather than DRTV, which DRTV is something like very specific and we can talk about that. The cost is, is no longer really prohibitive for folks and the audience doesn't have to be mainstream anymore. I think that really opens the door for a lot of organizations who felt that they didn't have that mass market appeal, right? Or even knew that they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an issue that tends to bring people out on either side of the political spectrum in a big way. And so if we think about TV as having to be the biggest megaphone um, and to be able to think of it as like a surgical strike for your audiences. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of the benefits of the most recent evolution of the way media works these days and how we can deliver messages to our audiences. And I think, you know, I, I break it down into two big audience buckets. Um, and this is what we, we talk about at, at our agency with we call generally charitable. And these are people who, you know, when you think about your average donor, that's going to give and give to a variety of different organizations and just be a generally charitable person. And that's, and that's great, especially for mainstream and a lot of organizations they're going to give to, but they have to be, you know, you're not going to reach those niche audiences, but then there's your specifically charitable audiences, right? And those are the folks that, you know, they may only be moved by very specific causes for very specific reasons because they have personal experience, because it's really meaningful to them. And that's our work that we need to do, I think. Yeah. And that actually makes me think that breaking out of the traditional TV medium and going into look for how you leverage video, um, even you know the B-roll from your, your TV, if you're on TV, how we leverage that in other channels could also have a role in educating that next pool of potential donors. 
thinking that we can still use it to train the next generation of donors is still exciting. It's not dead yet. Yeah, yeah. I, it's an and, and it, it always has been. I think it's, it's you do both and. I mean, and I think a lot of organizations, in particular direct marketers, because we were so obsessed with, you know, rightfully so, measuring things and wanting to see that return immediately, you know, there are going to be some things that we're going to need to start to do to invest for the longer term. And I, I fully realize and embrace that that's a little scary and there's, you know, some risk aversion that comes with that. I just think it's the right thing to do. And I think because, and the spends don't have to be huge. I'm not, look, I'm not saying go out there and like acquire a bunch of, try and acquire a bunch of Gen Zers, right? But, you know, I am saying that there's specific audiences that we're not talking to that might be willing to support your cause. In fact, we probably know they're willing to support your cause because we can figure out that they have personal affinity for it or have supported other causes like it in a very specific way, you know, that we just aren't reaching and, and we can now. Um, it just looks a little different. Well, and you know, I'm curious too what your thoughts are on the ways that people respond to it, particularly when you're thinking about new audiences. I mean, the traditional model for TV is that it really pushes you to that toll-free number so that you're going to talk to a human and that human is going to convert you to become a donor, preferably a monthly one. But now that people are watching with their phone in one hand, their laptop open, really preferring probably not to talk to a human on the phone if it can be avoided, mm -hmm. there's more ways that people are responding. So you know, how, how do we as organizations really show that full spectrum of response on our channel? And what should we be thinking of for giving people more ways to interact with those ads and respond? So a lot has changed in TV. I think you have to include digital alongside TV. You know, these days, as you said, people are living in, we're living in a multi-screen environment. That is not going to change. I think it's only going to be accelerated. That is not a problem. I think the challenge is that we as a nonprofit industry haven't changed much and there are places where we shouldn't change, um, but there are some things that perhaps we should consider. And there's kind of four big buckets, the way I've sort of organized it in my mind of the way things have changed and the types of things that have changed. And those are uh, one, format and lengths, two, methods of response, which you just mentioned, um, three, the delivery, and four, the creative. Regarding formats and links, broadly speaking, there's you've got brand advertising and you've got direct response advertising, right? So brand is really hard to measure, and we're not interested in that as, as direct response marketers, right? <laughs> we we want to know. Um, even, even if direct response TV isn't so direct anymore, we still need to have a grasp on what kind of impact it's having on the bottom line. That's important to us. And then under direct response, there's long form and short form. So long form used to just be 60 and 30 minutes. That sort of like infomercial type, like you were talking about Sally Struthers that we used to watch. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those longer formats are really best for organizations that have lower brand awareness. And their story requires a lot more education in order for somebody to take action. But some things that have changed there is now that there are five and three minute units and those can be really, you know, helpful and effective in sort of supporting that longer narrative and getting more frequency in there. But it's not quite short form yet, which I'll talk about in a second. Long form has really evolved to become pretty niche and lucrative in terms of buying. So 
there are things that happen like incumbencies that are in place. And so in order to be successful and get the best placements and rates, you have to work with an agency that has these historical relationships um, and has the buying power. You know, when I look at that, you know, it seems like strategy for the most part remains cautious and unchanged, you know, in, in terms of media buying out there. I'm seeing a lot of people looking at lowest cost, lowest risk, and the result tends to be over-optimized, overused avails and stations and super narrow audiences that might be lower value than they could be. And so I think with, you know, five minutes popping up, three minutes popping up and just, you know, looking at different buys, a lot of clients can start to see some diversification in their audience and overall long-term better results in terms of value. I think you're right that the strategy remains for the most part really cautious and unchanged. And, you know, that could be driven by a couple of factors. One, to your point earlier, nonprofits are typically slow to change. When you look at in the grand scheme of things, there's ways of doing things that get very entrenched. They're also hamstrung by a lot of funding with requirements Mm -hmm. for what they can decide they want to test into and take risks on. And if you're relying on, you know, multi-year grant funding or big institutional fundraising, for example, it's not in your, your development DNA probably to wait for a return that could be three years down the line yeah. for something like TV. So I think you're right. When people do go in, they're playing it really safe because it's such a visible high spend channel that I think there is a lot of pressure to show that those returns are happening as fast as possible. Absolutely. I, I think the conversation though has shifted more to where executives and boards are seeing the benefit of looking at long-term value as an indicator, because we know it costs so much more and a retention as well to acquire a donor than it does to retain one you already have on file and just make the most of your relationship with them over the long term. You know, so I think that value versus volume mix is starting to change a little bit. And you see people looking at value-based strategies, but I don't know. We'll see. I think it, like you said, varies by organization. You know, something like this requires so much uh, internal organizational cooperation between teams, between partners to, to get off the ground. It would be foolish not to go in it the way that's going to have the biggest impact for you. And why do all that work for a short term thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely in the long game, I think, or should be playing the long game when deciding to get into television. DRTV is very much a dial, in my opinion, not a switch. Talk to me a little bit about that dial versus switch. I love that visual. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just with anything, especially with short form, right? Like I, we haven't talked about short form yet, but that's the, that's the other format. It's in that 60s and 120s. I think, you know, the key to that is building frequency. And when you start and stop so much to where you can't build any sort of familiarity with your brand um, and you're not getting the types of impressions that you need in order to lead to conversions, I think people have a real problem and there's a lot of nervousness. And I understand why. I've felt it <laughs> um, on, on the client side before. The phones aren't ringing, right, at first. And, and you get nervous. And I think, you know, having some continuity there is just really important in terms of keeping uh, audiences warmed up. And I understand the value in turning things 
way down during certain periods of time. Um, and then rotating in creative because you're going to get fatigue. But I just think it's important to maintain visibility as a brand. Yeah, visibility for your audience and also for your partners. Mm -hmm. I mean, any call center needs a minimum of calls coming in just to stay trained and keep the agents interested. So as you think about all the different methods of response, you know, you're training your audience, but you also have to keep in mind all those back-end people that are also waiting for the phone to ring to do mm -hmm. their jobs. And if they're not getting the calls, they're not going to be able to convert as well. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that, that creative piece. What else is changing with creative or maybe what should change as we start to think about the less traditional methods of offering TV and video? Yeah. So this is, creative is the component that surprisingly to me has probably changed the least. It's pretty, and again, I'm not saying this is good or bad. It just is. It's pretty formulaic and predictable in my opinion. And it doesn't leave a ton of room for brand differentiation, which I think is becoming increasingly important in our industry. So you could very well, for example, in many cases, you know, if, if you see a children's charity on TV in the international relief and development sector, and if you were to black out the logo and put it on mute, I think you'd be hard pressed to say which one is which. And, you know, as direct marketers, we know a lot of times there are some best practices and what works works, but I also think there's important need to establish some differentiation and relevance to audiences because sometimes those causes in our audience's mind seem so far away, right? Because we just can't see our lives reflected back at us. And I, I think it makes it hard. And I think it triggers sympathy in many cases, much more than it triggers empathy, which leads to more of like a knee-jerk reaction and donation. And that's based on transaction rather than relationship. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because that's sort of my perspective. No, I think you're right. Um, I mean, certainly even within a brand, if it feels like your ads are getting stale and formulaic, then imagine what that looks like to, you know, the outside audience. And there's a benefit from, in a way, knowing that when you hear a certain music, you you have an association with that brand, or when yeah. you see the spokesperson, you know what's coming. I think there's a place for that. But you're right, you know, if it feels too formulaic, the desire to, to do something novel and maybe pick up the phone or get online or make that gift now is kind of lost because you've mm -hmm. seen this ask so many times and it hasn't resonated yet. It is kind of curious when you think about going after different audiences in less traditional ways that it, you might need to shake up that creative formula as well in order to break through to that audience or to give that brand the, the freshness that it needs to suddenly break through on that channel. Yeah. And I think like you said, it, it work, it's going to work. Like we know it works. We've been doing this for years, right? And it's continued to work. But at what point does it become with that donor that might be generally charitable? Oh, I've seen this one before. Even if they haven't, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's a different organization. But it starts to fall on deaf ears, I think. And, you know, we're not showing them anything new. But like, what other narratives are there out there? I think there's so much to be explored. And I'm not like, we have to show the need. It's so important. But I think we're not focusing enough on how the donor plays a part in all of that. Mm -hmm. It's just buy this for $20 a month and make it go away. Right? You're right. You're right. The transactional. And, and I think that's because of how we've chosen to measure the channel. 
you know, currently, right? That we, we have to see that immediate return to know that something is quote unquote working. You know, how many times did the phone ring? What was the conversion rate? How many donations did we get in on that airing? That's the way we measure it. So it forces it to become transactional mm -hmm. as opposed to choosing to look at this as we said, something that you're in for the long term. And if this is going to be about building the brand, cultivating those relationships, also reinforcing the decision to give to people who've already given exactly or through another channel you know there's a huge element of continuing to reinforce people's decision and congratulating them for being on the right side of history with your cause that comes from them seeing something they support broadcast back to them and yep. you're right if we only focus on transactional that element is completely cut out of the conversation yeah and it's it it's important to do both. I mean, you have to provide the case to give, right? Like why, why do you need me to pick up the phone, go online, whatever action you're asking them to take um, in order to respond, the need has to be there. But, you know, again, what role do I play in all of this? You know, why me? And how do I see myself reflected back, you know, as a part of this organization? Okay, so we've talked about new audiences for TV. We've talked about some of the creative needs for those new audiences. Now let's talk about how we reach them. What's changed and how we get those messages out to these audiences? Yeah, so, you know, I think with delivery in, in terms of distribution, you know, there's a variety of, of ways. There's broadcast, which is, you know, what we're most familiar with, and cable. Um, but now a lot of things are IP-based. Um, and so there's a variety of options there. There's different viewing devices and platforms people are using. You mentioned cross screen earlier. Um, I think the one thing that there's a lot of confusion about, like I said, is um, OTT and CTV. I think the easiest way for me to think about it is that CTV or connected TV is only related to devices. So, you know, it's connected TV, in particular, smart TVs or streaming devices attached to TVs. So things like Apple TV, Roku, um, game consoles like an Xbox. But then OTT is related to content and the way it's delivered through an internet connection regardless of the device that you're on. So that can be a desktop mobile or a CTV, um, but, it's, but it's really related to, to content. So I just kind of wanted to clear that up from, for some folks because I think there's been a lot of confusion. I don't know if, if you've heard of any confusion around that, but I, I certainly have run across it many times. Well, Adrian, thank you again for sharing your expertise and helping everyone understand the changing landscape of TV. Uh, really value your time. Thank you again. Before we let you go, um, if people are really interested in learning more, are there any resources that you would recommend they go check out? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Um, I, you know, I'm always happy to talk to anybody personally, as as I know you are too, um, being a helpful resource. IAB is actually really helpful in my opinion, and I'm happy to give you these sites to include in your show notes as well. If you're looking to find some more information about DRTV, Adrian has recommended the following resources. IAB, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, and you can find them at IAB.com and also iSpot TV, where you can find what kind of creative is out there in the world. They've got DR and brand advertising spots. You can find Adrian on LinkedIn, and you can find out what's going on with Full Hearts at withfullhearts.com. We'll have all these resources listed in the show notes, which you can find at goodfundraising.net slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. There's a lot going on out there right now. So until next time, take care of yourselves, be nice, and do good.